we didn't get along that well and we're walking on the street one day and on the busy road and someone throws a rock at out of their car at us and it hits my companion in the head oh my gosh so she immediately you know falls to the floor she's crying and i was kind of like oh you big baby and then i saw the rock and i was like oh shoot like this is serious and so she's bleeding we go to the hospital welcome back to another episode of mission moments the podcast where we get to hear the experiences and miracles of of those who have served as missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Levi Hilton, and I'm excited for our guest today, Mia Westbrook. Mia, tell us about yourself. Hi, Levi. Um, I'm super excited to be here. I'm Mia. I'm from San Clemente, California. I'm 21. I am currently at BYU, pre-business, applying for finance. Um, And yeah, I served in the Guatemala Quetzaltenango mission, and I just got back this July 2022. July 2022. And Mia, were you always planning to serve a mission or how did that work? No, I was probably the last person to have ever served a mission. I don't think that was ever something that was part of my plan. And then I just kind of went back and forth about it for a while. And once I decided it was all in and I was ready and that's kind of how it happened. It just happened one day. You felt I'm ready to go. Um. Well, so freshman year, I lived at, in an apartment, and I mean, I grew up, my home was, had the spirit, whether I did anything or not, that just kind of, because of my parents, they had set our home up that way. So then when I got to college and I kind of figured out that I had to build that spirituality in my home, that was a totally new thing for me. So I was more cautious, conscious about building that and creating that in my little apartment. And so freshman year of college is when I really learned that like personal revelation was a thing. Hmm. And then kind of in that experience and in that journey of finding how to have personal revelation, then the ideas of like, oh, should I go on a mission came up. And I thought about it super rationally and did pros and cons lists. And then I would get on my knees and I'd go through the pros and cons lists with God and kind of talking about it and I just kind of got the feeling that like if I wanted to go I should go and it just seemed like the thing that was right for me at that point in my life and I have no regrets and I haven't looked back since that is awesome yeah I kind of that was kind of similar for me I wasn't exactly planning to serve a mission um and then I there was this long story that we won't go into but a series of spiritual experiences and realized the spirit that is like so powerful and that came as as I served a mission and yeah that's cool so when did you end up starting your mission so I started my mission February 2021 okay did six weeks home MTC Uh and didn't learn any Spanish in home MTC just kind of went through the motions and Uh tried to get done with it and then I spent two Three months in Salt Lake City South Mission, serving in Draper, right by the temple, and then spent the rest of my mission in Guatemala. How did you feel uh, about getting assigned to Draper? Um, There were a lot of tears involved, just because it took me a long time to get adjusted to the fact that I was going to Guatemala. That was something that scared me so bad. So then I finally like convinced myself that that's what I was doing and planned for that. So to then have that plan shifted. I just didn't, 
love that. And so there's definitely some tears. You know, I felt they don't need me there. They have the church. They have people that can teach them. That kind of seemed like a waste of time, kind of. But then once I was there and I really saw that it wasn't a waste of time, I definitely got humbled and I learned some things from Utah that I couldn't have learned if I just went straight to Guatemala. Uh-huh. Well, like what? What did you learn in Utah? I learned patience. I learned um, consecration. I think stateside missionaries and missions are really good at being consecrated and focused because, I mean, in Draper, Utah, you need miracles more than anything because people that want to hear the gospel are not just jumping out at you as much as it would be in Guatemala. So definitely a lot of patience, a lot of prayer and consecration. The things that I learned in Utah, then I could apply into Guatemala. Kind of foundation for the rest of the mission experience. 100%. Wow. Wow. Um, did you speak Spanish in Draper? Like, were you over Spanish no, word or anything? Nothing. English? All English. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you found out you were going to Guatemala, your Spanish probably wasn't still. No, all the I way didn't there. know. I didn't know <laughs> a single thing. And my companion in Utah had told me, oh, you don't need your Spanish books. Leave them all here. They're too heavy in your suitcase anyway. And she's my trainer. So I thought, oh, okay, yeah, like she knows best. So when I got to Guatemala, my first companion's like, don't they give you books to use and study from? I told her, oh, no, like I didn't bring them. And she's like, well, how are you planning to learn? I said, oh, well, my companion said I'd learn on the street. And she's like, well, that's not going to work here. (laughs) And so that was definitely the first like, oh, shoot, this is real. Yeah, did that. So you guys could like street contact in Guatemala? Yes, everything was street contacting because in Utah, if you street contact, you're going to get to know the Relief Society president. Mm-hmm. You're really not going to find people that effectively. But in Guatemala, the people that are outside are because they have nothing to do. People in Utah that are outside is because they're going somewhere, they have something to do. And in Guatemala, they're just sitting around because they're just looking to chat with someone and they're there and they're willing to stop and listen. And so we probably spent two hours a day street contacting and it was awesome. You get over your fear really quickly. Were you you're a big fan of street contacting? Yeah, it was fun. I loved it. You Me never too. knew what you were going to get yourself into, and it was awesome. I love street contacting. There's so many haters of street contacting out really? there. Uh, I like that I've run to at least, and I loved it. Like That's when I really started feeling – it was probably about seven months into my mission when it was open that we could start street contacting. Oh, my gosh. And that was a game changer. It was like I was terrible at first. Um, but we would like just go to Walmart parking lots and just talk to people yeah. as they're walking from Walmart to their car and just, it wasn't super successful at first, but I like learned how to do it really quickly. Cause we would, you know, went through tons of reps Yeah, and it like totally changed the rest of my mission. Super fun. Yeah. That's tell awesome. us about some of your favorite street contacting moments. Um, so I had this one area where me and my companion, we were brand new to the area. So we didn't know anything. So we just decided we were going to get up every day and just walk the streets and talk to people. And that's how we were going to kind of create a teaching pool of people that wanted to listen. And I remember one day we walked for probably three or four hours up and down the same streets and people were not receptive. And we were kind of frustrated. We're like, this is so dumb. We're trying our hardest. We're out here. And this was probably like a week into just street contacting most of the day because we didn't have any lessons we didn't know what else to do and so we came home we're kind of frustrated and 
we get a text and it's from a girl who we had her contact and she said that she was a member but she hadn't been to church in a while and she just saw us walking on the street and that prompted her that she needed to come meet with us and come back to church and she asked if we had availability that night and we didn't have anything going on um we tried to play it cool but we were like yes absolutely be there as soon as we can so then we went over there and she just was so grateful that she had seen us walking on the street that day and we were helping her come back to church and then she had a daughter who was 13 and we helped her get baptized and become integrated into the youth program and everything and we just walked on the street and that's what we knew that we should do and God was orchestrating miracles that we couldn't see and that was one of my favorite moments for sure. That's a powerful moment. I think it's cool to see like especially the humility of people who decide I want to start coming back to church and yes. sees the missionaries and says, oh, yeah, we need to get in contact with her. And now is, her life is back on track, um, more so at least, right? And now her family too. That's really special. Well, the devotion is completely different. Like, yeah, the humility to say, oh, I actually want to change because people look at their lives and they're like, what more could you offer me? What more could going to church on Sunday in a YSA ward where the talks are not that great. Not that great. And, you know, you relieve society. They don't open the scriptures once. Like, what is that offering me? And, like, I think there's a lot of just being there supporting. I think there's a lot of there's people that you're connecting with apart from the lesson. That's important. But why say words in Provo kind of I don't like <laughs> I have a really hard time. How did you feel like was the church different in Guatemala versus like in Draper? Like, were you in branches in Guatemala or was it wards? How did tell um, us about that? A lot of them were branches. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, most of the people that are in these branches have are new converts of 10 years or less. Mm-hmm. So they're still trying to figure it out. And sometimes um, coming in as an American, we can get so frustrated with that. But then we definitely have to humble ourselves and see, like, these people are willing. They're wanting to learn. And they're devout. I remember thinking... I had an American companion for nine days. And I remember telling her, we're walking on the street. I said, if your takeaway from Guatemala is that these people are happy, even though they'd have nothing, you can go on a humanitarian trip for two weeks and you can learn that lesson. There is no need to sit here for 18 months with a bucket shower and gross food and hard times just to have that takeaway. And so I invited her, you know, to look for a deeper takeaway. And I remember mine just being that the people of Guatemala are devout. When they're committed to something, they're committed. So that works well Mm -hmm. when they want to be a part of our church and they're in our church, they're in it. Um, But if they're Catholic, you know, a lot of times they are all in in that direction. It's kind of hard to teach them the true gospel. That's such an awesome quality to have, like being devout. Like I hope that's something that someone could say about me one day or about people. The people of Utah, they're so devout. We can work towards that. Yeah, can I apply that to my life now (laughs) being home? Like, do people look at Mia Westbrook and think she is a devout disciple of Jesus Christ? Maybe, maybe not. You know, and what can I do to work towards that? All, everything from my mission, I now apply to my life. And so it's crazy. Yeah, love that. So bucket shower. That yes. seems like something you probably didn't have in Draper. No. Is that, so, like, would tell us, how, how did that work? <laughs> so, for my, in my first area, I didn't know. I thought all of Guatemala was super hot. I just thought everything was, 
you know, 110 degrees all the time. So I didn't bring any sweaters. That's definitely what I thought. Is yeah. that not true? Well, no. So when I, my area, my first area was up in the mountains. I wasn't by the coast at all. My whole mission was up in the mountains and it is cold there. No and I way. ended up going to the freeze, most cold part of my, air, of the mission. And I was freezing. I literally borrowed my companion's onesie unicorn pajamas. There we go. <laughs> because I was so cold. But we would wake up like 30 minutes before we were supposed to wake up. We'd fill up a bucket with just the tap water hose thing outside. And then we had this light bulb on a stick looking thing that we'd plug into the wall and then stick it into the bucket. Well, you had to put it in the bucket first. Oh, no, you had to plug it into the wall and then put it in the bucket so you didn't get electrocuted. And then that would heat up the water for like 30 minutes. Then we'd go back to bed and then our water would be hot. And then we'd have a little smaller bucket to dump over our heads. And you had to like ration the water, you know, so you had to get good at looking at like fractions of, okay, if I use half of it for this and then half for that. Um, but it was awesome. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is, and how long you had that your whole mission or that was just in- for three months. And then my next area I had, we had to crank the shower with a wrench to open up just the spout in the wall. And so then we had that just kind of depended on each area if it was more in the city or more in the mountains. Wow. Yeah. That seems like a good, uh, I have some companions who took really long showers. That would have been, that would have solved that Yeah, problem. that doesn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> that would not have flown <laughs> in Guatemala. Okay, well, tell us me about some of the favorite people that you taught and found in Guatemala. Um, okay, there were so many people that, changed my life just from their example. You know, and we're supposed to be coming in, helping them, and they helped us. I think a lot of times as missionaries, we often come in with this mindset of like, I'm going to teach you. I have a message for you. And all the people that had a big impact on me, they taught me when I was trying my best to communicate in a different language. But um, we had one person that we taught. So... Backstory, me and my companion, we didn't get along that well, and we're walking on the street one day and on the busy road, and someone throws a rock at, out of their car at us, and it hits my companion in the head. Oh, my gosh. So she immediately you know, falls to the floor. She's crying, and I was kind of like, oh, you big baby. And then I saw the rock, and I was like, oh, shoot, like this is serious. And so she's bleeding. We go to the hospital, and we spent a week in the hospital, you know, I'm taking care of her. I always joke that you really, you can't learn charity unless you've bathed your companion. That that is like the ultimate Fair test. Enough. Um, but then, so she was super sick and she would sleep pretty much all day. And we were stuck in the apartment and there's nothing we could do. And so she would sleep and I would sit and do phone calls and trying to find someone to talk to, someone to practice my Spanish. Which and is like people in area book or like... Yeah, people in okay. area book, um, old street contacts that we hadn't gotten to yet. Okay. Just dialing random numbers at whatever that point, whatever <laughs> I could do for the hours of um, free time that I had. And we called this girl who was a member, and but she hadn't been to church in a very long time. And so I'm getting to know her talking on the phone. And she's like, can you guys come visit? Like, I have a son who's nine years old, and I'd love for you to come teach him. And so I'm so excited. But I look at my companion, you know, she's on the bed, just like dead. 
I'm like, yeah, we'll be there in 30. So she's like, okay, sounds good. So I wake my companion up and I feed, I fed her pasta. I'm like, this will give her some energy. You know, we'll carbo load her up. Yes. And like, I just need you to go spend 30 minutes at this girl's house. You know, she kind of put up a, fa- a fight, but I, we walked down there. She's got a neck brace on. I just tucked her in the corner and we're talking to these people and teaching them about the gospel you know we're helping her with her struggles why she walked away from the church and um then her nine-year-old son was super interested and we were able to teach him and so every week you know we'd go over there and i'd do the same thing i'd prep her up good i'd tuck her in the corner and so then he ended up getting baptized a couple of weeks later and we just were so stoked and i remember specifically praying on my knees to my heavenly father just gratitude because i knew that that had nothing to do with me. I was the most incapable in all ways. And he just absolutely multiplied all of our efforts and provided that miracle to us. And that was so exciting. And that was something that was super special to me. And it kind of took me a long time because I was kind of bugged that a lot of the times we taught kids And I felt like, oh, people kind of made fun of that. And they thought, oh, like, that's kind of a waste. And I remember praying about that. You know, is this a waste of time to help these kids? Like, should we be teaching adults? And we were trying to find adults. But a lot of the times the people that we were founding because of COVID, everything shut down and they couldn't get baptized until they were 9, 10, 11. Mm -hmm. And I remember praying about that, struggling about that. And our bishop... We had a family home evening with him in that same area and we were getting to know him and he had told us that he was baptized at nine years old and he was so grateful for the missionaries that came and pretty much had a parallel story of the kid that we had just baptized that, you know, his mom kind of walked away from the church for a little bit and then when the missionaries came when he was nine years old that he just couldn't believe it and that set a trajectory for the rest of his life of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that was the answer to my prayers, you know, that we can't see the long-term benefit of the people that we teach. We have a small window of time that we can do our best and through God bless their lives, but then we just don't know. And that was a huge lesson for me um, and really cool experience that I'll never forget. Yeah, that is super cool. And it is cool to also and that moment to be in a place where your bishop has the same story you know, yes. and is able to answer that prayer. Um, I interviewed Brad Wilcox about his mission a few weeks ago. One of the things he said, he served his young mission in Chile, and then a few years later he was called to be a mission president in that same mission. Oh, awesome. And I remember he was, he was talking about um, the, there was someone in his ward who had served there too, and he wanted him to find this like, one kid that they had, he had baptized the whole mission. And he ends up meeting this guy, and he's, like, the new stake president. Wow. And you never know. You really never know, you know, what someone's life's going to look like, and you can just impact them the most you can. But yes. those kids can go the whole way. They can we just have way. to have the faith, you know, to do it and get out there and put in the work. And it's not that serious. I feel like sometimes missionaries get so, like, they take it so personally, and they take every burden on themselves. And I never understood that. You know, I just woke up every morning and we did our best. And if it worked out, it worked out. And if it didn't, it didn't. I remember telling missionaries that my advice was 
it's not that serious. It's just the work of the Lord. <laughs> and they'd get so mad. They're like, that is serious. I'm like, yes, of course it's serious. But we just do our best. And God knows where the people are. God knows their timing. And everyone's timing's so different, even though as missionaries, we want to micromanage that as much as possible. It's his work. Yes. Yeah, he'll get it done. He'll use us. We'll, we'll help, but he'll get it done. 100%. Uh, was there anyone else that you love teaching in Guatemala you want to tell us about? Um, well, just thinking about timelines in my last area, I had six weeks there. I'm about to go home. I'm super, super sick. I got two different parasites and an intestinal infection, and I just was wrecked. And so it was emotionally hard, physically hard, everything. But there was this girl that the missionaries had told us that always there had always been elders in this area. And so we were the first sisters in probably like three years. And they're like, oh, there's this girl that she's been taught by the missionaries for a year and a half. And she will not get baptized. And we cannot figure out like what the problem is. She goes to church every Sunday. Her husband's a member. Like we don't know the problem. Like maybe the sisters can do something about it. And kind of jokingly, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'll get in there and don't worry. In two weeks, you guys are going to get the email about it. Um, and so we get there and we immediately become friends with her. And we didn't. Our plan was that we were never going to bring up baptism, that that was we're not going to come in aggressive missionary style and try and put on put her on date and try and convince her that she needed to get baptized. We were just going to go and love her and see what happened. Um, and so every day we would go in the morning, help her open up her shop and help her set everything up. And then we'd read her scripture and then we'd leave, go about our day, do our thing. And when she would close her shop at five o'clock, we'd come back because she had a baby at the time. So we would help her close everything um, and then walk her and her baby to her husband's shop after they closed. And we just did that every single day, never did anything. We just felt really prompted that that was the route we needed to go. Um, and I'm blank. What's the scripture? I'm blanking on the scripture of. Is it Alma? Which scripture? That he's like, he just, um, is the king's servant first, oh, and it, then teaches him. Yeah, in in Ammon seven or Alma seventeen. Ammon. In Alma yeah. seventeen. So I remember that being like a thing where okay, this is the principle we're going to apply. Mm -hmm. So then. Maybe two weeks of doing that, she texted us and says, hey, like, I want to talk to you guys about my baptism date. Like, do you think we could do that this week or next? And we're just no dying. Way. And I don't mean to tell that story like, oh, we're so awesome because we did clearly we did not do anything there. Mm -hmm. Everything was the Lord's timing. It was God working on her heart and humble servants that just were there to help and show her love that got things moving. It was definitely a testimony to me that people just want love and attention and service. And I think that can go such a long way. Sometimes we try to, you know, get in with people with our big words and kind of our sales pitches. But in Guatemala and then now being here, that has been a huge principle in my life that people just want to feel loved. They want to feel God's love. And if we can be um, conduits of that love, then we're winning, and that's all we can ask for. I love that. That takes a lot of, like, patience and humility, I think, as a missionary, to just focus on, I'm just going to be a conduit of God's love. I'm going to do, if I feel like I need to go 
and invite this person really strongly. God, if you want me to do that, I'll do that. If you want yeah. me just to help them open their shop and share scripture, I'll do that. It takes a lot of a lot of humility and a lot of trust in God. For sure. What is your advice to missionaries, uh, prospective missionaries who will be serving in the next few months? How can they access that like you did? Um, a couple things that come to mind for people that want to go on missions and want to prepare. I received this advice but I didn't really take it and I saw the consequences on my mission (laughs) to do hard things before if you are too scared to ask the chick-fil-a lady for extra ketchup I promise you you'll be scared to street contact it will be extremely difficult if you have never walked more than from your driveway into your garage into your house I promise that walking six seven miles up the mountains every day will be extremely difficult in one of my areas to get up to this little village community, we had to ride on the back of a pickup truck and we had to hold with our hands on the on this bar so that we wouldn't fall off the pickup truck when it was going up the mountain. And in that moment, I wish that I had some upper body strength <laughs> because I, it was so scary. But, you know, I think building strength, doing hard things, walking, learning to open your mouth and not being scared that all those things will prepare you. And then also with the scriptures, like if you, your brain can only do TikToks every 15 seconds and you need a stimulation check every 15 seconds, sitting down for an hour, hour and a half personal study will be miserable. That will not, you will not be able to sit still. So I think building up that endurance, not endurance, but being able to like sit, spiritual endurance, spiritual endurance yeah. and be able to sit and read the scriptures because I wish I had that. I think it took me about six months to be able to like get in the zone for an hour and a half. And then after that, it wasn't enough. I could sit there for hours and I just wanted to learn and explore the scriptures and really dive in. But if only I had, you know, those six months where I couldn't quite get myself to focus because of that constant simulation that I was used to. I think it would have been crazy. I remember reading the scriptures on my mission and being like, wait, this is in here? Wait, we (laughs) believe this? Like, everything blew my mind every single day. And I didn't, I mean, I read the scriptures a little bit. You know, I read the Book of Mormon here and there. But deep diving like that, the mission was the first time. I think that, like, the close read, the mission's the first time for, I think, most people. It was for me. And But it's those, like, close, deep reads of the scriptures that, like have been the most life changing, I think, for me. It just they're one hundred percent powerful. Well, we have, for people who have served missions and come back, what are some things that you've done or advice for them to maintain relationship with Jesus Christ to continue serving? Yeah, it's a great question. I've seen people do this really well, and I've seen people do it not so well, and it's really sad because I think about you know my mission and. You see people that accept the gospel. You see the people that don't accept the gospel. And it's hard for me to understand how I could ever go back to a life without Jesus Christ because there's just no going back. I feel like I know too much. I've seen too many miracles. And I just know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And so now being home, I have to act like that Mm -hmm. because I really, really, really saw so many incredible things and had so many spiritual experiences on my mission. And so now being home, um, 
what I try to do is right when I wake up, when my alarm goes off, I open my scriptures because, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. I really, my dad had taught me this when I got home that that is literal, that it is seek first chronologically. And so I would, every morning I wake up and I go to my scripture app and it like kind of sizzles my eyes and it hurts and I don't really (laughs) get that much out of it. And even if I just kind of have my eyes half open reading two verses of scripture, seek first the kingdom of God. And then I'll come back later in the day and read my scriptures, listen to a podcast. I think podcasts are huge for this. If I'm just getting ready and I can't sit down and read, if I'm listening to a podcast, you know, that's a win. Every day been, since I've been home, my goal is to learn something new. And so if I just seek for opportunities to learn something new, then God will provide a way. I think being in the temple is a huge one and seeing people on your mission, you see people make covenants. And so how much more important for us now being home is it for us to keep our covenants and to constantly be thinking about that because we spent so much time helping other people go down that path that it just makes sense for us to continue to pursue that path. Yeah. Yeah, I could not agree more. Those are all so true. So true. Things that we all, I think, can always improve on and focus on. Um, Lumia, one last question for you. Yes. As you served um, your mission, how did you see your relationship with Jesus Christ and your testimony change? In every way possible. I think I had a lot of really hard times on my mission. I absolutely loved it. I have no regrets. I tell everybody to go on missions. I'm a huge advocate and I love it. But I had some really low lows, whether that was being sick, um, hard companions, you know, hard success, just the environment, the culture. There's a lot of things that had some difficulties. I remember one time I had a companion that we just did not get along that well. And every morning when she'd go to the shower, I would go up on the roof and lay on my yoga mat and just sob. And I just couldn't. And every day I repeated that for two weeks. But it was in those low moments that I knew Jesus and didn't just know about him. I mean, the prophet and the apostles have taught us to strive to do that. And I think that if I didn't have those lows and those hard times, that would not have been possible. And you really feel God's love. Like I remember praying on my knees, just begging to be just to feel comfort and to receive that comfort was life-changing or to have these hard times and to know that the experiences that Jesus went through and everything absolutely carried me and that's how I came to know my Savior Jesus Christ. I love that. One of my favorite scriptures um, is John seven seventeen. It's if you do his will, you'll know the doctrine. So in other words, you learn and know Jesus Christ through doing or through experiences yes like like you said that's when you know christ is through experiencing him not just not just reading about him which is important but (laughs) experiencing him too well mia thanks so much for coming on today and for sharing your experiences um what an inspiration thank you for having me this has been awesome